we're excited to share that the following offer has been extended through the end of the week. We hope you become a member today. Tuesday, February 28th marks one year since we launched the DSR Daily Brief. We're showing our thanks by providing you with our best sale price ever on membership. From now through March 4th, visit the dsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DAILYBRIEF to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content, an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a one-time only offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code daily brief to receive 50% off. Thank you for your support. It's March 14th, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. The BBC is reporting that the US, UK, and Australia have unveiled details of their plan to create a new fleet of nuclear-powered submarines aimed at countering China's influence in the Indo-Pacific region. Under the AUKUS Pact, Australia is to get its first nuclear-powered subs, at least three, from the United States. The Allies will also work to create a new fleet using cutting-edge tech, including UK-made Rolls-Royce reactors. Beijing has strongly criticized the significant naval deal. Australia faces a delicate diplomatic situation with China because it is Australia's largest trading partner. Analysts say the question will be whether it can continue to strengthen its military ties with the U.S. while fostering commercial ones with Beijing. The Israeli parliament has advanced a bill that would allow it to overrule Supreme Court rulings and enact laws that had been struck down despite months of protests against it, according to Al Jazeera. The Knesset took until the early hours of this morning to pass the first reading of the bill, which has been one of the main priorities of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his governing coalition of far-right and ultra-Orthodox religious parties. Late on Monday night, in another win for Netanyahu, the parliament also advanced a bill that would make it harder to remove the prime minister over the corruption charges that still hang over him. The bill would allow the parliament to declare a prime minister unfit to rule only for physical or mental reasons and would replace current law that opens the door for a leader to be removed under other circumstances. Another bill that passed the first reading would allow more settlements in the northern occupied West Bank, which would lead to the legalization of settlement outposts considered illegal even under Israeli law. The bills voted on overnight require additional votes before being enshrined into law. Reuters is reporting that shockwaves from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank further pounded global bank stocks this morning as assurances from President Joe Biden and other policymakers 
did little to calm markets and prompted a rethink on the interest rate outlook. Banking stocks in Asia extended declines this morning, with Japanese firms hit particularly hard as anxiety about systemic risk sparked a wider route in markets. A furious race to reprice interest rate expectations also buffeted markets as investors bet the Federal Reserve will be reluctant to hike next week. Major U.S. banks lost around $90 billion in stock market value on Monday, bringing their loss over the past three trading sessions to nearly $190 billion. Regional U.S. banks were hit the hardest. Shares of First Republic Bank plunged more than 60% as news of fresh financing failed to assure investors, and ratings agency Moody's reviewed it for a downgrade. Elsewhere, Deutsche Welle reports that the Italian defense minister said on Monday that the rising number of migrants crossing the Mediterranean is part of a hybrid warfare waged by Russia using mercenaries as proxies on countries supporting Ukraine. Quote, I think it is now safe to say that the exponential increase in the migratory phenomenon departing from African shores is also, to a not insignificant extent, part of a clear strategy of hybrid warfare that the Wagner division is implementing using its considerable weight in some African countries. Wagner is believed to be operating in several African countries, including Libya, Mali, and the Central African Republic. The group has been heavily involved in Russian efforts to capture the city of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine. Some 20,000 people have reached Italy so far this year, compared to 6,100 in the same period of 2022, Italian Interior Ministry figures show. In the past weekend alone, 1,200 people reached Italian shores. According to French media outlet Le Monde, China will once again start issuing a range of visas to foreigners as of tomorrow, the country's embassy in Washington said. A major easing of travel restrictions in force since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. The move marks the latest step towards reopening China to the outside world, as Beijing gradually breaks with the strict zero-COVID strategy that defined its pandemic response until a few months ago. In addition to new travel documents being reviewed and approved, visas issued before March 28, 2020, that are still valid, will once again allow entry to China, said the embassy notice posted yesterday translated by AFP from Chinese. The updated policy will also allow for the resumption of visa-free travel for those arriving in cruise ships to Shanghai, as well as for certain tourist groups from Hong Kong, Macau, and countries within the ASEAN regional grouping, the notice said. China received 65.7 million international visitors in 2019, according to data from the UN World Tourism Organization, before the pandemic led the country to seal itself off from the rest of the world. 
The Guardian is reporting that independent and foreign journalists have been barred from attending the first session of Tunisia's new parliament, which has been largely stripped of its powers by the increasingly autocratic president. Kais Saeed, who was elected president in 2019, redrew the constitution to radically reduce the power of the parliament after a power grab in 2021. The body's legitimacy took another hit when just 11% of the electorate turned out to vote for its MPs in two rounds of elections over December and January. The opposition coalition, which boycotted the vote, said on Monday it would not recognize the assembly. In recent months, security forces have enacted a sweeping crackdown on Saeed's political opponents, many of whom have been arrested without charge, while the North African country's small population of undocumented black migrants have been subjected to a campaign of violence after the president accused them of being part of a plot to enact demographic change. Journalists protested outside, and their national union, the SNJT, issued a statement pointing to the parallels with the pre-revolution situation. According to the AP, Mexico's president claimed yesterday that his country is safer than the United States, a week after two U.S. citizens were killed and two kidnapped and later rescued in the border city of Matamoros. President Andres Manuel López Obrador said U.S. travel warnings and reports of violence in Mexico were the result of a conspiracy by conservative politicians and U.S. media outlets to smear his administration. Despite López Obrador's assurances that Mexico was safe for travel, the FBI confirmed last week that three other women from the small Texas town of Peñitas have been missing in Mexico since late February. Mexico's nationwide homicide rate is about 28 per 100,000 inhabitants. By comparison, the U.S. homicide rate is barely one quarter as high, at around 7 per 100,000. The president brushed off continued concern over violence. Currently, the U.S. State Department has do-not-travel advisories for six of Mexico's 32 states plagued with drug cartel violence and reconsider travel warnings for another seven states. In lighter news from the New York Post, a couple in England got a not-so-sweet surprise when they discovered their home had turned into a beehive. When honey started dripping down the walls of their home, Kate Dempsey, 41, initially assumed it was just damp but the sweet-smelling aroma sparked curiosity and she decided to pull up the floorboards. When Kate and her husband Andrew moved into their home, they had seen bees, but they didn't think anything of it since they disappeared and they had the house repainted. Eventually, the couple discovered six-foot pieces of honeycomb and liters of honey, as well as maggots and moths. She tried to find a company to get rid of all the honeycomb but was quoted up to over $12,000. So the couple gathered some friends and decided to take on the project on their own. They had filled 20 massive trash bags with honey, though the honey wasn't edible since a lot of the honeycomb had been attacked by moths. Had it been a live honeycomb, we would have got local beekeepers in to extract and relocate it, she said. But we were in a bit of a pickle, 
because we couldn't get anyone to take it unless we paid a huge cost, and they also would have exterminated the bees, which we wanted to avoid. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. Last weekend, we spoke with Adrian Shabazz, Vice President of Research and Analysis at Freedom House, about their Freedom in the World report. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. <laughs>